I wear a mask with a smile for hours at a time, stare at the ceiling while I hold back what's on my mind. And when they ask me how I'm doing, I say, I'm just fine. And when they ask me how I'm doing, I say, I'm just fine. Those are lyrics from the song Mask by Dream. I'm Raleigh. And I'm Danielle. And this is Unstuck, the special ed podcast. How is that for music today? That was spectacular, especially for the 10th episode. Yes, big one zero. 10th episode. We've hit double digits. Only do this 90 more times to get to 100, which I feel like is way more special than 10 is still good. 10, 10 is, is still good. good. Still living at 10. Look, still some living. people don't even make it to 10. That's true. 10 podcast episodes. That's right. Or 10 episodes of a pilot. True. True, true. That's so, right. It's impressive. And we're gaining followers. It's not like we're stagnant. Oh, is that a humble brag? It's a humble, another humble there. brag. Every time. I heard Madagascar's on the list. Yeah, Madagascar made it. Not just it. a movie? Nope, That's not just amazing. a movie. It's a place. And there's multiple European, Asian, and African countries. That is fantastic. A couple wow. of South American. It's pretty well, good. Pretty we, good. And we Canada. We always are, are very thankful of that. And we welcome any feedback you want to provide to us. Um, hopefully you're listening because you feel like we have something to offer and you're gaining something from this and we want to continue to do that. Um, so I think today we, it's sort of, it's one of those things that's, it's in the universe. The universe has deigned us to do this today because this topic has come up several times in the past few days and shout out to Lauren and to some others, but, uh, we are going to bring up the topic today of kids in um, specifically special education, but education in general, having anxiety and low self-esteem. Um, something that I recently was talking to a colleague about was how it seems so simple and it's one of the simplest things you probably could think to offer somebody who's asking, how can I support children that are struggling with learning challenges and just struggling with um, other aspects of a school day? And sometimes it's it seems as simple. It's obviously not a simple concept. It's the idea that self-esteem is really low for a lot of our students anxiety is really high if you could find a way to bring up the self-esteem and bring down the anxiety you're often going to see some changes positive changes that's true and just because a student has anxiety doesn't automatically put them in special education and that's what i see a lot of is important distinction i um you know we talk a lot about this moment in time versus uh, a true disability and anxiety, yes, can lead to some sort of social emotional needs that warrant uh, special education. But a lot of times it's just the extra support from adults and the sort of laying back on expectations. Accommodations. Accommodations, allowing students to to have the flexibility without the pressure. I'm seeing a lot um, around uh, in public school. I'm seeing a lot of okay, we're out of COVID and let's, you know, let's return return to normal. And all of these kids with rampant anxiety, which is um, hindering their self-esteem. I know we talked in past episodes about kids refusing school and all of those things mm-hmm. because of, uh, I've run into a lot, the social pragmatic stuff that they missed for yep. two years out of school and learning those social cues, those nuances. And now they're jumping into middle school or high school trying to figure out and navigate relationships and that to me their misperceptions of how other people feel about them leads to that low self-esteem uh and all of that so yeah and you have situations where i think you you have your students that it's pretty clear something's going on and i think that's where that intro those lyrics from that song i actually um, am inspired by that song from a student who uh listens to that um 
with me um, during our OT sessions, but um, there's this idea that something could be under the surface that people just aren't getting um, broadcast to them that a student is going through. And again, I talk a lot about um, with, with my colleagues specifically about knowing your students, knowing when something doesn't seem quite right, when you see that they're not integrating as well, they're not participating as much, they're the kid that maybe just quietly, passively, you know, sits back and doesn't engage as much and what could be really going on there. Because again, I think that anxiety and that self-esteem just go hand in hand and I've seen it work where kids start to be able to feel positive about their abilities and they start taking more challenge, take on more risks and take on more challenging activities and they continue to kind of blossom and, and bloom those skills more so. Um, but if they're in a place where it's kind of like, well, this is just my, this is where I'm at. I'm just not a good student. I don't know how to do these things. I'm not good at gym. I'm not good at science. I'm not good at recess. I can't play with the other kids. I don't, you start to have this self-fulfilling prophecy that I'm just not good at. And it's just their identity in those times. And maybe they're broadcasting that through behavior. Maybe they're not. Uh, maybe it's overt. Maybe it's internal. And it's just up to us as the people who know them and see them all the time to recognize those things. Well, and I think you bring up trust, which is a huge uh, piece of helping students with that low self-esteem or that anxiety. I actually heard a story from an adult. Um, so you can imagine adults who are better able to handle their emotions and manage themselves. Sometimes. I, sometimes. <laughs> Overall. Uh, the coping skills are uh, more available to them or not. More I would say learned, more, more refined, refined, more mature. Yeah. Um, and I there was this adult that told a story about how she sent an email out to families. Uh, it was her first year of teaching. She sent an email out to families and um, it was the same email or same welcome letter that the teacher prior had sent her. So she was like, oh, I'm being proactive. I'm doing this great thing. And apparently a parent had complained to the superintendent who did not, um, and she was new, so she had no relationship with anyone. Mm -hmm. um, and apparently the superintendent, instead of directly communicating with her or building in or establishing basically printed out the email, put all these red marks in these spots where it was, she shouldn't have things she shouldn't have written and gave it to the principal to give her the directive that that was wrong. And she said, I did not take risks from that point on mm -hmm. because I was so, um, I was hit so hard by that. So her self-esteem and her confidence and her ability to work with kids and work with families was shot. So if that is how an adult reacts to it, imagine how these kids in these smallest things that you may not even know that they're going through or that has happened to them um, or that has hit, it could be a C paper mm -hmm. that they really worked hard on that was an A and you're just returning that paper to them like... Uh, you know, yeah. oh, this is this is an average grade, whatever, without even thinking how much work that per kid may have put into it without having a conversation about their effort. Well, and I would say that if a teacher or administrator or someone that works within a child's, you know, school system or classroom doesn't feel great about their own skill set, how are they possibly helping somebody? So I think having those, we talk about the self-care for the adults as well and feeling like there's this sort of joint self-esteem building or joint you know, feeling good, feeling less anxious. I think that this, you know, I think in general, a lot of adults in the special education and education worlds feel anxious about a lot of things, a lot of variables. We went through something that was so unpredictable. And so I think it's about finding that common ground. And we talk about finding those interests that kids have and teaching a little bit to those interests to spark that 
motivation, the spark that, um, I guess interest, I said interest and interest, um, spark the interest interest, interest, but using what they are into to motivate. So for example, the lyrics of that song, if I know that my students are listening to a certain artist or they like a certain type of music, using anything I can to generate a connection and generate output and to say, hey, I've got, I've got you motivated now for something and you work off of that. It seems so simple and it's probably one of the easiest ideas. I'm not reinventing the wheel by saying that, but I don't think enough people are doing that still. Well, and, and every, sorry, but every district school system state probably has mandates and testing that they have to teach to on some level. I don't know. I don't know about internationally, but I think the pressure is on teachers for kids to perform and the pressure is on kids to perform. Yeah. And the pressure is on teachers to, to do everything right. It's in one more. And mm-hmm. one more and one more. And so this and one more of like this anxiety mm-hmm. I talked about earlier this week with my colleagues about how it seems like there's we've had this pot. And even before COVID, this pot was starting to bubble because how we were doing things in uh, in education throughout society, not in specific mm-hmm. districts throughout the United States, at the very least, has, is so old school and not it's, you know, we were just starting to get that social emotional stuff, right? Building in those proactive strategies, offering flexibility, offering, offered differentiated ways of taking tests or not taking tests and showing your, your knowledge in different ways. We were just getting there because that, that pot was starting to bubble. It was starting to boil and then COVID hit. And now we're, now we're back in school and that pot is blowing off the top. Kids are, kids are anxious refusing to come into school or your anxious kids who are hiding it and smiling on the outside. Mm So anxious kids and anxious parents create anxiety for everyone because now the student comes home and says, I suck at everything. I can't do anything. My teacher doesn't understand me and the parent doesn't know what to do and wants the best for their child. And then maybe they contact the teacher or the team or adults in the school and are anxious. And now it's coming out a little intent uh, intensely more than that than it probably is necessary for that situation and i think it, everything just compounds it becomes this cycle of you know somebody's not feeling good about a situation they're feeling worried they're feeling nervous they're feeling anxious and it just all kind of spins out and we're left with this mess at the end and i think we have to rewind and take some steps back and recognize that education really does have to change how we approach you know i there's so many there's so much pressure on kindergartners to do things that never were was something we cared about kindergartners being able to do. Why do they need to be able to read and write and do X, Y, Z at an age that we weren't worried about that 25, 30 years ago? We were, we wanted them to play and have fun and become social and interact with other kids and experience that type of camaraderie with their peers and not so much worry about, well, can they, are they, what level are they are reading they at? the content standards yes. for this? Or are they meeting the content right. standards for that? Yeah. Instead of like, did they enjoy playing with, you know, the fake grocery cart? Because that was what was fun, you know? Like, did they enjoy going out and playing in a sandbox and playing on a playground and playing and meeting other kids and developing that self-esteem? Um, I mean, it definitely brings me to the thought of, we, we're going to cover this, I think, in another episode, but it brings me to the thought of the internet. Um, we really can't have a conversation about much anymore without bringing up the internet. The inter- internet. But I think you also have some of the... I do think this plays a part. Ability to resolve conflict. Ability to work through, whether it's a conflict with a person or a conflict within a situation or yourself, being able to 
stop, think, and problem solve rather than just on to the next thing, on to the next thing. I, I say it as the TikTok generation. I'm certainly not coining that phrase, I'm sure, but this idea that I don't like something, fast forward to the next thing. I don't need, I don't know how to deal with this. Move on to the next thing. I'm not going to try to deal with this right now. I don't necessarily know how that's okay. What's next? What's next? What's next? Well, and I think that, um, you bring up, you know, the social media piece, but I also think that access. So just like you're saying, like onto the next, onto that, because there's such easy access to everything. And that goes with, uh, being social with other kids. Right. Mm-hmm. So when I was young, uh, we had a landline. Right. And we had wow. time at school to talk with your peers. So when you were out of school or on a weekend, mm-hmm. you had you went to wherever with your peers. Well, you had to talk to them. Yep. Words, words out of one mouth to an ear. Well, and there were limited times you could do that. Right. Is what I'm is yeah. part of the point I'm making. So now, where there's availability to text mm-hmm. at any point in time, to Snapchat at any point in time. I mean, I I I go to so many Celtics games and people are just Snapchatting back and forth to each other throughout the whole game. And I'm like, are you watching the game? Like what, oh, no, what's not. happening? And nothing, so nothing needs to happen in that long. That, we need right. bits of time, bits that of time. access. Right? right. And then that access where you're not, like you said, talking and listening, mm-hmm. right. You're just texting and interpreting texts either way also leads to anxiety because you misinterpret what someone texts to you or the picture that they send to you. Mm-hmm. They send you a picture of a, you know, a single bird and it's like oh it's because they don't want to be my friend anymore right. like well, any, right. and I know, you know that's extreme but you spiral. it's yeah you spiral. you spiral and then you don't see that person but you still are texting or whatever and I just think that that plays a huge piece and then the other piece that you were saying about the intensity of parents what I'm seeing a lot of is kids holding it together like I said smiling in school getting mm-hmm. their work done they maintain their grades and then they go home and they just fall apart mm-hmm. and so parents seeing that are worried now they're worried anxious leading to now defensiveness what the heck is my school doing to mm-hmm. this kid so now they come off and they're and to no fault of theirs they're being protective of their kid and it's you know how do you how do you manage that at that point when people are so escalated but even access to teachers access right. to professionals in a school is so much higher than it ever used to be the fact that you can send an email that you can call the classroom directly that these are things that could happen at two in the morning you could be emailing we all unfortunately or most people have work email on your phone and bing 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 like there's just so much access but i you know i was also thinking back to like when you were just saying about kids being able to contact each other outside of school or send a picture it's something you have to interpret and when you think to some of the students that have social skills you know social competency deficits and now they're left to their own devices with other peers and i've heard it a lot with like oh we were playing this game and we were all online together sorry that's such i'm I'm sure i'm not even saying that right but whatever i'm an old we were doing this together and so and so said this and this is how i responded but then you know his older brother said that you know now it becomes this whole thing and these kids are not necessarily savvy enough to comprehend how to manage all of that how, what are they perceiving is happening? Maybe somebody said something and they really took it to heart and now they have to show up the next day at school and no adult in the school has any idea what's happened and you've got this whole miscommunication between kids, maybe amongst other classrooms. Now they've got their phone with them. They're texting somebody something. I mean, it's rampant. So I don't know. I think that piece of it is something that we unfortunately have to learn how to navigate because it's obviously not going away. I don't know. So in my school, Phones and things are not allowed. I don't know about public school more so, but... 
I mean, I think some schools are better than others at managing the allowance of phones, yeah. but I've seen myself um, times in different uh, towns and different mm-hmm. cities or whatever um, that kids are sneaking it. So unless right. you're putting it in a bin like you do at a comedy show where yeah. like you go to Chris Rock and they make you put it in that plastic thing and it doesn't unlock until after the show's over, like you... you or you go to court. Or court. I don't know. They allow phones in court. Try a jury duty. Yeah. I don't know. The last time I did jury duty, I couldn't bring my phone with me. Yeah. So well, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just, it, there's there's got to be a shift there too. I mean, one of the statistics I saw today was around, um, t- around girls. Uh, 75% of girls have low self-esteem, have reported low self-esteem. Do, does it give an age range, just in general? Um, it's, I think it's... Um, it's adolescent age mm-hmm. kids to adolescent not 75 percent. 75 and many of them if not all of them i don't know i didn't i don't remember the specific about how many engage in self-destructive behaviors mm-hmm. but things that you don't necessarily see every day like cutting bullying mm-hmm. drinking smoking eating disorders all of those things are happening behind closed doors so they're showing a good front getting their right. good grades and then behind closed doors they're not and i see specifically i see vaping so much Mm -hmm. in high schools right now i mean that to fall into that peer pressure i mean i remember i don't remember kids even smoking when i was in school cigarettes there i mean obviously there weren't vaping but we think about the challenge of smoking a cigarette versus vaping you could vape and nobody knows it if you light a cigarette in the bathroom and it lights everything on fire or sets off the smoke detector you know anyway um well and and this raises again something that we've talked about having the understanding that every student in your school needs to feel connected to some adults and that connection isn't just yeah jimmy's in my math class it's like well Jimmy and I talk about Star Wars and I know he likes Star Wars. So let's have some kind of meaningful connection around that. And it should start young. This is something that kids should come into school with the feeling that they are connected to somebody or multiple somebodies. Um, There was a stat that came up at, at something I saw on a training I had recently and I don't remember exactly the numbers, but it was the significance of that one adult is absolutely so essential and that changes so much for kids having that one adult that trust they trust they feel connected to so it can start when they're in kindergarten figuring out the things they're interested in figure out things that they gravitate towards and using those interests and those strengths to build up the areas that are more challenging but to to make sure that we understand that not every kid as we talked about the mask not every kid is showing you how they're feeling there are plenty of kids who do. There are plenty of kids who don't. And how do you just establish that connection? No matter what behavior they're showing you, it's just part of the status quo. We will make sure that we're connecting these kids to an adult who, and then we were talking about extracurricular. Yeah. It's a hard word to say. <laughs> extracurricular activities. There you go. You got it. Yeah. I mean, I think having, cl- I don't know how many times this year a club or an after school activity has saved uh, a student or has made them feel like they have someone to trust in their sort of club leaders, I guess, the adults that are are participating and leading the club, but mm-hmm. or I would say more facilitating because a lot of what I see is that, which is wonderful, is that they facilitate and make sure things are going the way they're supposed to be going, but they let the kids run the show mm-hmm. and um, allow them to build that confidence um, and that self-esteem mm-hmm. 
uh, through that lens, but it also creates an environment where they build trust. And I don't know how many times that they've been able to go to those facilitators and tell them when something's going on, tell them when there's perceived bullying Mm -hmm. or perceived, you know, inequity between two people, you know, anything like that. And I think having that person has been really a game changer for them because who knows what they could do if they didn't have that person in school. And and it doesn't have to be that, you know, you're, you're really good. You have to be really good at a sport or you have to be good at a musical instrument. It can be that you like to draw. So you're going to maybe, maybe you take a group of kids who also like to draw and that's your club, that's your activity. Or, you know, you like to make beaded necklaces, so that's what you're going to do. It doesn't have to be something traditionally that we consider as a club or an activity for kids. It can just be that time doing something that you feel good about, they feel good about, and then you're opening up that dialogue and those conversations and that trust that is, I mean, I've seen it so often in my career. It is so awesome to see kids start to feel good about themselves and they take those risks they try a little bit more than they might have a week before because they say, you know what, I've done this already. I did something like this. I know now how to apply it. Again, overriding that feeling of next, 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 next. I'm not good at this. What's next? I don't know about that. Let's, let's, what's next? We're going to work through it. Growth mindset. We're going to persevere. And I've already seen that I can be successful here. I'm going to apply that same feeling to this situation that's happening now and I can overcome it and be successful here as well. Well, and then you think, well, I I agree with that 100%. And then I think about middle school. And so your body is changing. Mm. Your thoughts say, are changing. You have to think about middle school. No. Just <laughs> no, I mean, I think this is probably a further topic, but I've seen so many kids who are questioning their identity. Mm-hmm. And by having a club, an LGBTQIA club or Absolutely. something like that yeah, available absolutely. to them has been, uh, and see that there are other people who are questioning mm-hmm who they are as people because I mean they're hitting the stage of puberty and this acknowledgement that they're growing up right so you you're in elementary school and you're you know pretty straightforward you go to school you have fun with other kids but now you're in middle school and things become more abstract Mm -hmm. and like I said those nuances are coming through clicks start to develop correct yeah and so you're so not cool anymore even though I was friends with you in fourth grade like now I can't be seen near you right and and now you're like well who am I as a person Mm -hmm. I don't feel like who I am in my body. And then you have parents trying to uh, wrangle with an understanding or what I've been saying. Or they don't know. Right. What I've been talking a lot about is that, um, and again, we can probably talk so much more deeply about this, um, maybe with a guest. Put a pin in it. We'll put a pin in it. (laughs) Uh, But it, 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 like, it just, it dives this whole deeper, when you have, when you're questioning who you are, and then you have these parents who, act like they're supportive, but really they're mourning the loss of who they thought their kid was going to mm-hmm. be. And I talk about that with disabilities and a lot of people too. Yeah. And I help teachers and I work with teachers to understand that, yes, they may be defensive. Yes, but they may be upset, but you have to remember that they're going through this grieving process as mm-hmm. well. Of My kid's not going to be the star athlete. My kid's not going to be this because of, mm-hmm. you know, and we have to, you know, manage the cards that we're dealt with, but that doesn't always make it easy. Right. You love your kid unconditionally, but that doesn't always make it easy. No, of course not. But then it's also redefining success and progress and and capability and ability for everybody involved. Which again, successful for that individual, it may not be what's successful. You know, well, it's also just a societal success. You know, what's successful for people? It doesn't have to be the same thing for everybody. I think that's really the basis of this is just helping kids realize because they're 
they, you're right. I mean, there's just so much that they get into that they see that they think is that's how I should be. That's what cool is. Um, I mean, I just watched the Abercrombie and Fitch documentary oh, I on Netflix, it yet. and wow. I mean, yikes. Um, the idea of what cool is and how it's so. And this is pre uh, social media, pre real internet access for people. And I was right in that Abercrombie and Fitch yeah, era. I, mean, I, I remember. Was as well. So. The idea that you see something on a TikTok video and think, well, I have to be that. Mm-hmm. I have to. That's what's cool. What's great, I think, about the 2020s is that cool is such a broad spectrum now and we're getting so much more accepting of what that is. But we just have to keep that going in every facet of education and every facet of socializing for kids is, you know, that there's so much that everything, you know, you're not always going to be like everybody else, which is so hard in middle school because that's what you're trying to be. We're all trying to be the same. Let's not try to be the same. Or we're trying to be what you think everybody likes. And instead, let's find ways to diversify and feel good about that. And and show that adults have these different interests and strengths. We're going to help share that with you and hope to build those relationships. And maybe you're building that, you know, the, the um, stringing bead club. You have seven kids in that group. And now those kids are friends. And they've built some camaraderie. And now they're supporting each other as well. Yeah. And I think, too, that that's where I think the teacher training and the adult, I should say, mm. not specific to teachers. I think adult training comes into play. And how do we change the narrative? To education like, professionals, education professionals and families and families and families. Mm-hmm. And I think how do you change the narrative of this is what school's supposed to be? Because that that is yes. ever changing. And we need that's where we're lagging behind. And mm. in society, things are moving so fast. Right. It's, Technology is moving very fast. Um, allowing people to be who they want to be is moving, you know, forward. Although there's still, you know, mm. a whole miles behind, miles behind. Um, and the schools, like, yeah, well, we still need to meet the frameworks. We still need to meet the Common Core. We still need to meet these standards. We need to get past your state exam, your MCAS, your RICAS, whatever, and missing the boat on the fact that you can actually embed social emotional learning into your content you can build Mm -hmm. cross-curricular content together um and and help kids who suck at math if you build in a science piece of that or like Mm -hmm. here's how math is cool well here's how math is really functional for you because how many of us aren't good at math i mean i am well i'm not i mean english forget it i still i still manage to get through it but you know relating these things to things of again back back to the beginning relating them to things of interest to things that are useful. Um, you know, not everybody needs to be a biostatistics rock star. In fact, most yeah. people aren't. Well, and going back to that portrait of a graduate we talked about, like that is where you should build your curriculum and your content on. Mm-hmm. Is like, what? how do you see these kids when they're graduating high school? Mm-hmm. You know, is it, they're not all gonna be rocket scientists Mm -hmm. they're not all going to be you know whatever they're going to be anything and we need to be able to adapt to that over the course of the years what does success look like for kids it's not the same for everybody and and nor should there be just this five percent idea like well this top five percent is what if you're not going to be that then yeah whatever right no because you never know yeah you never know you never know know. all right well what do you got for us today well (laughs) this one appeals to me because Well, I'll read it. Um, Do you read reviews about a movie before deciding whether to watch it or not? And my answer is, heck yes, I do. In fact, it takes me down a rabbit hole that I end up never watching anything because I'm like, well, 
I found a negative review. I'm oh, it's it. This one says it feels like it goes on for hours and hours. Ah, too slow. Nope. Next. So I'm actually guilty of the next, next, next thing myself. But unless it's something that's just a clear blockbuster that everybody has to see, which I, I'm not sure. I mean, there are some things I guess that are in that category, but. Oftentimes, I will read many reviews about many movies before settling on one. Talk about access coming full in, full circle yeah, yeah. of what you were talking about earlier. Yeah. It's like onto the next, yeah, onto the next, or then we can try yeah, it. Yeah. Although there is a movie that uh, you forced me to watch many many moons ago called Windcroft. Oh, that was not that was not recommended. Terrible. Not recommended. I don't think anybody. If somebody seriously, if somebody knows that movie, <laughs> I I don't know. Yeah. I I would like to hear from you because. Yikes. Yeah, so you didn't read a review. You just trusted me, which was probably a bad decision. Well, because I, on the other hand, don't read reviews and will literally pretty much only watch what someone recommends to me because I don't have an attention span for a whole movie. So... Or you I, I often I, or I multitask. So again, full circle. But right, there, like and there's so all many the choices. Access. There's yeah. so many choices. So maybe I want to watch a documentary. Maybe I want to watch a series. Maybe I want to watch a movie. I mean, it's we're all falling into this pit of just too much, yeah. too many options. And I, you know what? I liked it back in the day when there were. It was like you go to Blockbuster the video, video if it's well, there. Right? Yeah, the it's video there. store. Like, ooh, I hope that new release is out. Yeah. You know, oh, sorry, all seven copies are out. Are gone. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who don't know, that that's a store that had videotapes that you or, put into a VCR, and then you had to rewind it before you brought it back if yeah. you were a good a good person. They had DVDs for a time. Yeah. Before, so I'm, before I'm they really DVD, oh. my friend. Pre DVD. Yeah. No, now I mean I think I guess I would have to say is that I go with whatever pops up first on Netflix. I'm like, mm. oh, that looks good. It's like this impulsivity of like, oh, that's probably I like a better that doc. option Boom. than scrolling through. I can't. Hundreds I don't have the time. Then, I don't have the time for that. Well, and then I feel on the other hand, like my time is valuable. Do I want to waste it on something that stinks? On ice, I don't. So, oh, these people there said it wasn't good, but you know, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, we're all we're all in it together. Yep. <laughs> well, thanks everyone for listening, and thanks for following us. I, we see the increase, and um, it's we been really, really, really cool to watch. And hopefully, you're um, enjoying it, and also like getting something out of it. I think that's our yeah, purpose. You're not listening to us to help you fall asleep at night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let me our find voices are boring, very. Let me find the most obscure, boring thing I can listen to, and hopefully... let me find the most annoying voice yeah. that I can listen to. Yeah, that's fun. Um, but yeah, follow us, please. Um, maybe we don't have any ratings, so five star ratings. I mean, I I, I rated wow. us. I rated ourselves. Well, I do too. I think we're the only two <laughs> yep, ratings. Yep. No one rates us. Um, I mean, if you don't think five stars, you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, but fine. um, but we'd love it. If, <laughs> we'd love it if you send us some ideas. Um, and. Or say like, yeah, what you're talking about is great or it sucks. Here are some ideas for you. Yeah. Um, follow us on um, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter at Unstuck Podcast One. And uh, we'll continue to put contact out. We're back from vacation. So you mean content, uh, content. Mm. I don't know what I said. said contact. Well, look. It's it's been a rough week back for vacation and uh yeah so uh follow us and thank you very much thank you